This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. Today, we're in a series titled, Staying on Track When the Battle is Tiring. If you've ever felt depleted or ready to give up, this message will give you the energy to keep walking so you can stay faithful to what God asked you to do. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Now, let's take a listen to the message. Blessed to see young people because I want the young people especially to pay attention today because it's critical for you, it's critical for all of us, but it's more critical to me for you because you're young enough that you will see days more darker and more difficult than the days that we see. You will see stuff that I may not live to see. You will watch the world change and you'll watch it transition. You'll see some of this stuff come to pass. I challenge every one of you, fight the devil. Don't let the devil try to put you to sleep because this is important. This is important. This is critical. He's going to try everything to distract you, to make you miss it, to try to get you to not see it because it reveals and exposes his hand and what he's trying to do in your life. Now, it looks like I'm talking about something that's happening in the future. It looks like a story out of the book of Revelation, which most people stray away, stay away from and not look at. But it's not. It is critical for you where you are right now. Right now is what the devil is trying to do today. Not a future event. So. The Antichrist exalting himself is what we're going to talk about. The Antichrist exalting himself. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1 says, Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him. Now, I want you to think about the battles that wear you out dealing with a rebellious son or daughter or a difficult colleague at work or trying to do something for Jesus and experiencing opposition on every turn because I want you to understand that you may be struggling with sin and temptation in your own life and you wonder what is going on inside of me? What is happening to me? Why is this happening to me? So Understanding the battle. It is critical that you understand the battle. Because if you don't understand the battle, there's no way you're ever going to win. If you don't know what the devil's strategy is, if you don't know his plans, if you don't know how he works, then you're going to lose this battle every day of the week. If you're going to stay on course, you need to understand the battle. And God speaks to us about this in Scripture, and he lifts the veil in the spirit realm. So that we can see the activity of the unseen forces. 
There's two places in scripture that I know God did this. That's, well, maybe two or three. He showed us when the rich man and rich man and Lazarus died. He showed us one went to Abraham's bosom and the other went to hell and, and there was a gulf between them. He showed us in the book of Job when he was meeting with his sons and when they met, God said, where have you been, Satan? He said, walking in the earth up and down in it. Have you considered my servant Job? He let us see that the devil couldn't do no more than God allowed him to do. He let us see that. And then he showed us this. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I want you to see we wrestle not against flesh and blood, that's on the earth, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. I want you to see that because it shows earth above and it shows that demon operates in ranks. They got power, they got authority. One overrides and overrules another. Demons operate in areas. Like you see certain things that happen in the south that don't happen up north. You see certain characteristics of people. You see demons operate in families. Sometimes you'll see alcoholics, a trend of alcoholics be in the family. You think it's because he saw his granddaddy drink, but it's a spirit. Generational curses operates in families. You see spirit hover over churches. You see it hover over cities, states, nations. It's everywhere. And these demons work, and they work in authority and in ranks. People, if you get this right here, we can say amen and go home. People are not the problem. People are not the problem. And that's what I wanted to tell one of our managers that we got to not focus on people. Now, God uses people and the devil does too, but the people are not our problem. We just seen what our problems are. Seems like they're the problem. But Paul lets us know our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Take this. If you're mad with somebody, remember this. People are not your problem. People are not your problem. If you think somebody on your job is causing you issues, realize they are not your problem. Okay? You're struggling with the, with the way certain people do business in the industry, but you got to understand that spiritual forces are at work in them. If it's a bad child struggling with your own sin, you say, I hate myself. You need to know what's going on inside of you so you truly know what to hate. There's something going on in you. There's something working inside of you that you need to know about. Spiritual forces are at work in the world. And that will be uniquely expressed in one man who will appear when Jesus returns. Jesus' second coming. That's when he'll appear. All of us face spiritual battles and battles intense. will intensify as we move toward the return of Jesus Christ. And what am I saying? 
like I told the young folks, as the day go on, it's going to get harder. It is going to get harder. Let me, let me, let me go ahead and bust that, that, that uh, leave it to beaver bubble that you have, that you think that you're going to live on a house on a hill, you're going to have perfect children, you're going to work that perfect job, you're going to drive that perfect car, you're going to live in that perfect house where nothing is ever out of place. You're going to go to work and you're going to be just so happy to be there. It is not going to happen. Jesus told all of us, in the world you're going to have what? But in me you can have what? And to be of good cheer because what? I've overcome the world. But he said you're going to have trouble. Even in the book of Psalms he said what? I'll be with you in and why is it that all of us think that we're not supposed to have trouble? Why do we freak out when we have trouble? When Jesus told us we were going to have trouble. I can tell you why we freak out when we have trouble because there's something on the inside of us. When we were created, God created man. He placed him in a garden. He put him in a perfect place. And that place was supposed to be perfect. And so we still long for what he promised, what he gave us. But it's not coming until we leave. Because of Adam. Okay. So the rumor. There was a rumor going around. Here it is. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 and 2. It says concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him. We ask you brothers not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy. Let me stop right there. Not to become un easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy. Let me say this to y'all especially young folk, you got to be careful when somebody comes to you and tell you that they are speaking from God. Amen. you got to be careful. The Bible already says there's false prophets in the world. The Antichrist is already in the world. So let me tell you something. Prophecy, if I stand here and prophesy over your life, it should not be new information. It should be confirmation. If I stand here and tell you, Roy, you, you supposed to go to China and you ain't had a thought about going to China, you better stay your tail at home. Don't go nowhere because somebody said you ought to go. They prophesied because they, you feel like they got this power. Don't do it. Don't do it unless God has told you to do it. They were having, he said, don't become alarmed by unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. How many folks, how many folks, I, I know, I know uh, uh, some, some people my age, older, has been hearing all their lives, we're living in the last days. I've been hearing that since I was a little boy. And here I am all these years later, and, and, and I'm thinking any day Jesus could come, and he, and he could. But I've been hearing that all my life and thinking it's tomorrow or maybe the next day as you're a child. But you know what happens to us? We hear it so long, we get to the place where we take it light, we take it for granted. We might not even get, might even get to the place where we don't believe it's going to happen. Because heard, I heard it so long. Every time my brother calls me, he say my first name and my middle name together real fast. Ali? 
Living in the last day. Jesus is coming. And we get to the place where we don't believe it. But they, they were hearing that the, the day of the Lord had already come. That it had already come. So, uh, one, two, one, two minutes. The word had gotten around the church that the Lord had already come. That he, that he had already come. And they would, some people were denying the, 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 the information about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were, they were denying that it was going to happen. And so when people deny the coming of the Lord, it goes something like this. The second coming was fulfilled by the coming of the Holy Spirit. They try to make it seem like the Holy Spirit was the second coming. And the Spirit of God and the presence of God in the church is that second coming. Young folks, hear me again. Don't be deceived by what you hear. Let me say this to you. Every one of us, every one of us, I fail, I have failed at my job if you are following me for life. I'm not doing my job. I'm not doing my job if you have, are not learning to follow Jesus. If you are not learning to hear his voice for yourself. A man named John P. Key wrote a song years ago, and the name of that song was, You Must See Jesus for Yourself. In other words, you got to know him for yourself. You can't, you can't live off mama's religion. You can't live off daddy's religion. You got to know Jesus for yourself. You got to be able to hear his voice for yourself. I, we need to develop people that can pray to God for themselves. What are you going to do when you can't reach somebody? What are you going to do? You got to be able to pray and know that God hears your prayer. Don't think that some preacher got a special avenue to God. It's a lie. Father, in the name of Jesus, work for you just like it does for me. Don't let nobody tell you they pray or carry special power. No more than yours. Jesus died for you. He's interceding for you. He's sitting at the right hand of, of the Father, making intercession on your behalf. He's listening for you. The Father is listening for you. And as that song said, he knows your name. And so they said that the Holy Spirit had, Jesus had come the second time through the Holy Spirit. And instead of seeing the glorious hope of Jesus Christ in his glorious return, people start saying the hope of the world was in the church. In the community, we're able to create and to do good things. And so they started having people to look toward the church and not to Jesus coming again. Not clear how they got around. Some may have been by prophecy. And most of, and, 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 and some, some said it was direct revelation for God. God told me this. I'm going to tell you when somebody tell you God told me this. Listen real close, take it with a grain of salt, I'm telling you. Everybody that say Jesus didn't come from God, everybody that said God told them something, he didn't tell them. And so, it could have been a forged letter that came, that somebody had wrote the apostle's name on, saying the day of the Lord had already come, and you know how rumors spread. 
I can, I can right now tell Roy something, and by the time it get back to Miss Freeman in the back, it's a whole other story. It's a whole other story. We used to do that in school. They tell us something, tell this guy up here in front something, and by the time it got to the last person in the class, it was nothing like it started with. That's why my mama used to say, believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. Your eyes will fool you and folk tell lies. And they were believing a rumor. They was alarmed and unsettled. A contradiction of what, what, what Paul had said in his first letter, which he said this. First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, he said, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Let me back that up because I want you to see this. Look what it says now. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. If you hadn't heard the Lord would come down with a shout, and the archangel, he hadn't came back yet. Don't let nobody fool you. This is Paul's reply. This is what Paul told him. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. Look now. This is critical. This is critical. For that day will not come. What day? What day? What day won't come? The day of the second coming. He said, now the second coming is not going to come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. So how do we know when the second coming is, is, is is about to come. When the man of, when the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So in other words, there has to be a revelation of a man of lawlessness has to appear before Jesus comes back. Gotta, it's got to come this way. That's what the scriptures say. And this man is doomed, okay? So, the day of the Lord has not come. First rebellion comes, the man of lawlessness revealed, then the day of the Lord comes. Okay? So don't let nobody fool you into thinking. Don't let nobody tell you, you know, we, we hear all kind of stuff. Folk take scripture out of context. You know, they say you're not going in the last days, you're not gonna be able to tell the seasons. Where they got that from, I don't know. You can take a knucklehead outside in January and you can look at the ground. I don't care if it's 95 degrees outside. You can look at the trees, the grass, and everything else and know it's wintertime. Come on now. It can drop down to 45 in July, but the birds are whistling, the grass is green, the trees are full of leaves. You know it's not January. Come on. And they, they say you won't be able to discern the seasons in the last day. Ain't true. If you look at Genesis, the Bible says, as long as the earth remain, thou shalt not cease. Cold and winter, summer and heat, seed time and harvest. That ain't gonna never stop. So that ain't a sign. Don't let nobody tell you that. 
on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, on the day the Lord Jesus Christ will overthrow the lawless one with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. That's 1 Thessalonians 2.8. This is what he says is going to happen. He's going to overthrow that lawless one. Okay? Now, first, the lawless one is revealed. Then the day of the Lord will come when the lawless one will be overthrown. He's going to be overthrown. At first glance, it looks like this is far away. Looks like it's something that's going to happen in the future. But I want you to see that everything has to do with the battles and struggles you are facing today. I want you to see that it is here now. Now, so let's look at the man of lawlessness. Who is it? Who is he? Okay. First, number one, his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan. It's going to be in accordance with the work of Satan. Okay. Number two, he is revealed. The day of the Lord will not come until the man of lawlessness is revealed. The day of the Lord will not come until the man of lawlessness is revealed. Don't let nobody fool you. Look at this one now. His counterfeit miracles, the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. Let's stop right there. Let me tell you something. Remember what I told you in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, right? Wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Y'all remember that? Okay. So, it says now, counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. Counterfeit. Now, God gave us a glimpse of this. In the book of Exodus, Moses threw down his rod, it turned to what? Snake. A snake. The folks in Egypt threw down theirs and it did what? Turned to a snake, right? But Moses' rod did what? Consumed theirs. Okay? Now this is what I want you to understand. We are to follow God. Not miracles, not signs, not wonders. Do not, I'm not telling you not to go to a meeting where they say they got miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm not telling you that. I'm not telling you that they're not real. I'm not telling you that, 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 that they don't exist. What I'm telling you is do not follow them. Because look what it says. The work of Satan displayed in all kinds of what? In other words, there's going to be some miracle signs and wonders that look real, but they're going to be counterfeit. They're going to be coming from the devil. It's going to be the devil doing it. How's he going to do it? Remember what I said. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the military. You got the private. You got the PLC, the E3, you got the E4, which is a corporal or a spec 4, 
you got the five, which is a, a, a sergeant. Then you got the six and the seven, eight and nine, and then you get to second lieutenant. They got ranks, right? So if I have a sergeant, if I am a lieutenant in the military and I have a sergeant that's down here performing the work, I can speak to that sergeant and say, cease those maneuvers. Now, guess what that sergeant has to do? He got to stop or he's going to be court-martialed. He's going to wind up in Leavenworth. He's going to jail. Okay? In the same way, demons work in ranks. Okay? So if a demon, if a demon of cancer is operating in somebody's life and this spirit has power over that spirit, he can speak to that spirit of cancer and command it to cease and desist and it stops. But it looks to you like what? A miracle. And all it is is demon activity. So, like I said again, we fail if we do not teach our people how to follow God, how to hear God, how to know God, because this will deceive you into believing that it is God. So make you think that it is God. And you'll be following. I'm telling you, man, you'll be amazed. It, it don't happen as much as it did now as it did back in the day when I first got saved. People were following folks that actually work miracles. You want to see a crowd? You want to see a place where people cannot get in? It was where somebody got healed or somebody, a miracle worked. And we got to be careful. We got to watch this. Okay? So Jesus is the only one who worked true miracle signs and one that is recorded in the gospel. And he still does in human lives. That's why I'm telling you, I'm not telling you there are no more miracles. I'm not telling you the miracles are gone. I'm not telling you signs and wonders don't exist. What I am telling you is, is that you need to know Jesus for yourself. You need to know when he's talking to you. Because if you don't, the devil will lead you astray by a miracle, a sign, or a wonder. You'll think that you're following God, but you'll be following the devil. It is critical, it's critical that you understand and know how God speaks. It's critical that you know when he's talking to you. Because if you don't, you're going to follow something. And then it says, so the man of lawlessness will be an imitation of Christ. He's going to be the opposite of everything in Jesus. He's going to be the opposite of everything, but he's going to try to look like him. John, 1 John 2.18 said, Dear children, this is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. Not a future event, folks. I want you to hear what I'm saying. I want you to see what, he, what John is saying. Think about what he's saying now. This is in John's day. He said in his day that many Antichrists have come. In other words, they're already here. Not a future event. Not something that's going to take place. It is something that happened. And if you think that they were there then, they multiplied now. William Hendrickson says, 
Satan cannot become incarnate. In other words, he can't do like God did in Jesus. God could come down in human flesh. Man, he could become man. The devil can't do that. But he would like to imitate the second person of the Trinity as far as possible. This is what he wants. He yearns for a man over whom he will have complete control and who will perform his will as thoroughly as Jesus performed the will of the Father. The devil's looking for that person. He's looking for that person that he can manifest himself in like Jesus manifests himself in. He's looking for that person. Okay? So, so I want you to see what a man who, complete, who is completely under the control of Satan does. Okay? What he does. He will exalt himself over every religion. Every religion. Now, notice religion is, is, is man-made rules to get to God. But he's going to exalt, he's going to exalt himself over everything that represents God. I think that's, a, that's the next scripture. Second Thessalonians 2, 4. He will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. Hear me again. Hear me again. This is why you need to know the word of God. This is why you need to know Jesus. This is why you need to be able to discern his voice because the devil is going to try to do away with everything that pertains to God and listen to me good. It's already started. It's already going on. They already don't want you to have a Bible in school. They already don't want you to pray in school. They already don't want the Ten Commandments in the courthouse. They're already trying to do away with anything that pertains to Christ and religion. And I'm going to show you why. It doesn't say he's going to exalt himself over God. He can't do that. He might think he can. And anybody that try won't succeed. It's impossible. God is exalted over all. But I want you to see. I want you to see and understand what's happening. I want you to see and what, understand what's happening. Now, this is the same thing that the devil did when he got kicked out of heaven. If you read Isaiah chapter 14, Ezekiel 28, it talks about the devil when he said, I will exalt my throne above the most high. I will be above the most high. That's been his mindset the whole time. And then when you get to the Garden of Eden and the, and the devil came to the, in, in, in the form of a serpent, he spoke to the woman, he said, what has God, what, what have God said? He said, God said, we shall not eat off that tree, neither shall we touch it lest we die. He said, you shall not surely die. He said, for God doesn't know that the day you eat off that tree, you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, listen to what he said, you're going to be like God. The greatest temptation that you face, I face, we all face, is the temptation to try to be God in our own lives. That's what the devil brought to Adam and Eve. That's what he's bringing to you. He's trying to get all of us to exalt ourselves above the most high. That's his goal. He exalts himself over everything that is called God, over everything that is worship. Listen, folks, across cultures, across the world, over all religion. This is the devil's goal. This is, what, this is what scares me when I see people try to have, and I, and I don't mean this, 
I don't mean that these people are wrong. I'm not saying that, but I'm, I'm, it concerns me when I see, I, I remember this preacher in, 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 in Ohio, I think he was, and when these preachers have all of these different campuses and, and they are the ones that's speaking to all of them, that's scary. That scares me. Because that's how the Antichrist is going to come. He's going to exalt himself over all things. If you, I don't understand this man in Ohio, he had to preach at all the churches. I don't understand that. He got pastors at the church, but he felt like he needed to be there. He got to preach to all the people. Why have a pastor over the church if you're going to do all the preaching? Just, I guess, to do the work. But you're going to be the voice. That's scary to me. That's scary. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about anybody or anything. I'm just telling you, it concerns me. Concerns me when I see that kind of stuff happening. Because this is what he's going to try to do. He's going to try to exalt himself over everything that's worship or everything that is called God. Many voices. This is so critical, folks. This is so critical. Many voices are saying today, religion provokes intolerance and intolerance provokes violence. That's what they are saying. If you listen and think about history, most of the wars that's been fought and still being fought are religious wars. So what are they saying? What are they telling us? They say religion provokes, provokes intolerance. In other words, because we are religious, because we say we serve God, we don't want to tolerate different people, and that invokes violence. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. It is so scary when you have groups of people, these neo-Nazis, they say that they're serving God. They talk about Jesus. The people in the insurrection that broke in the Capitol that were beating police with flags and killed some of them and people were wounded in this. One person shot. This man, when he got into the halls of Congress, he stood at the place where the Speaker of the House stands and he prayed in Jesus' name. And the Ku Klux Klan says they are doing God's work. So I'm trying to get you to see that there's a lot of folks that say they're Christian. Christian nationalists is what they're calling them now. They put Christian first. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of people are deceived because folks say they're Christian. Let me tell you something. Everybody that say Jesus didn't come from God. Everybody that said a Christian don't know Jesus. Do not be deceived. The Bible says this. You shall know the tree by the fruit that it bears. If I tell you I'm an apple tree and I got pears hanging all over me, you better watch yourself. I tell you I'm a pear tree and I got you can pick cotton off me. Something wrong. <laughs> Something is bad off. And this is the image that's being portrayed about religion. It, it provokes intolerance. 
and intolerance provokes violence. In other words, you want to get rid of problems? Get rid of the church. What they saying? What they telling? How many problems in the world stem from religion? There's a growing consensus that religion is a force for evil. That's why they're trying to get rid of it. I'm telling you. And this is what they think. They think that he's going to exalt himself over Islam, Christianity, Judaism, Hinduism, and Buddhism. He's going to exalt himself over all of them. He's going to control them. And it's the source of intolerance and violence in the world. It is religion that divides. We know that to be true. We can see that. We can see that every Sunday. The Baptists don't fool with the Methodists. The Methodists don't fool with the Pentecostals. The Holiness don't fool with the Church of Christ. We already, it divides. It divides. Let me tell you why it divides. It divides because folks, everybody think they're right. Everybody got a piece of the puzzle and they got their little piece and they ran over here think they got the whole puzzle. Then I got another piece and I ran over here with my little piece. And we separated and we think they crazy because they got a piece and I got a piece. And the truth of the matter is God want us to put all the pieces together so we can see the whole picture. It takes the Church of Christ to take the holiness, it takes the Pentecost, it takes all these people. Everybody got a piece. Put them together and you can see the whole picture. But no, we run over here with our little piece and we think we're right. It's the same with races. It's the same with people. White folk think they're right. Black folk think white folk crazy. And we're all wrong. God put something in every race. And in order for us to get it all, we got to come together. We got to come together. Because let me tell you, there's something in white people that's not in me. You know, y'all bungee jump. We don't do that. Jump out of good planes, ain't nothing wrong with it, just jumping out of it. We starting to try to do it, but we don't do that kind of stuff. We stand on the bank and watch and see how y'all come out. We don't do that kind of stuff. But I'm going to tell you this. Let me tell you this. If it were not for people like that, where would the world be? They'd still be riding in wagons. If they waiting on us, we'd be still riding in a wagon. <laughs> we wouldn't, folk wouldn't be flying. Wouldn't be no ships on the water. Because black folks stand back and watch and see how it worked. And we, we might try it after we see y'all do it about a thousand times. We, we ain't jumping out. We ain't jumping out there doing, taking on, we ain't taking on risk. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Y'all go ahead. We'll be here when you get back. Yeah. That's how this works. But they want to get rid of, look, look what it says. If we get rid of religion, then we'll have peace in the world. If we can get rid of anything that has to do with God, we'll have peace. Because guess what? There will no, there will no longer be this intolerance. Everything will be acceptable. And I'm telling you, look what's happening in the world now. Everything's all good. Okay. He will claim that he is God. Okay. 
2 Thessalonians 2.4, it says he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Now this is critical. If he sets himself up in God's temple, what does he replace? What was in the temple? Three questions. Three answers to that question. Three answers to that question. Please, please don't miss this. Don't miss it. At the center of the temple, there was a room 30 feet wide, 30 feet long, and 30 feet high. It was called a holy of holies. The holy place. The most holy place. It was in the center of the temple. Okay? So, in the center of that room was a wooden box. It was called the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark was a copy of the Ten Commandments of the Law of God. Okay? Inside that now. So, if he's setting himself up in the temple, this is what's in the temple. All right. So when we read about a man setting himself up in the temple, we ought to understand that he is replacing God's law. That's why he's called the lawless one. He's replacing God's law. And I'm going to bring it home in just a minute. I'm going to bring it where you live in just a second. Just hold on. OK. OK. Number two, on top of the ark was a lid. Well, once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest was to sprinkle blood Sprinkle the blood of, the, of a sacrificed animal to atone for the sins of the people. So what is the second thing? The second thing is, when we read about a man setting himself up in, the, in God's temple, we ought to understand he is replacing the sacrifice with himself. He's proclaiming himself to be the Savior. In other words, number one, he's doing away with the law of God. Number two, he's declaring himself to be the Savior. Okay? Number three, in the Old Testament, we read about the glory of the Lord filled the temple, 1 Kings 8.10, and the priest could not perform their miracles, verse 11. It says now, so when we read about a man setting himself up in the temple of God, we understand that he's attempting to replace God with himself. In other words, number one, he's going to replace the law of God. Number two, he's going to get rid of the sacrifice of God. Number three, he's going to declare himself to be God. Okay? So, that's why he's, that's, that, that, this, that is why it says he sets himself up in God's temple, temple proclaiming himself to be God. Now, we got two ways we can go with this. We can try to discern what this work will look like in the future. We can try to figure it out. We can try to say, well, will the church be, where will the church be when this man comes? Will Christian be taken? Where's the temple? Is it figurative or, or literal? If we try to figure all that out, all we're going to do is get confused. So let's deal with it where it is today. Let's try to discern what it looks like now. Okay? So here we go. 2 Thessalonians 2 7, the secret power of lawlessness, listen at this, is what? Already at work. So, in other words, this is not a future thing that's coming. Even though the lawless one is going to be revealed when Jesus comes. Guess what? The Antichrist is what? Already in the world, right? The lawlessness, the, power, the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. When? Now. Right now. Right here today. It's already at work. Okay? Another way of translating the secret power of lawlessness is the mystery of sin. The mystery of sin is already at work. It's already at work. I want you to remember again the devil when he said, I will be like the most high. I'll exalt my throne above the most high. 
This is what he was saying. This is what he was saying. And this is what he's trying to work in us. Okay, let's bring it on. John says the same thing. The Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. So we can honestly say what? The lawlessness is here. And what else is here? Antichrist is here. Both of them are already in the world. Okay? So the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. That means you're up against it right now. The spiritual power that will be so fully horrible manifesting the Antichrist is already here. Right now. Today. So when you know what this secret power will look like in him, you'll be able to discern his presence. You're going to know what it, how, to, how, to, how to detect this thing. So we're going to bring it, I'm going to bring it to the, in, in, in ABC terms where you can understand it. You can see what it looks like so you'll know when it's working in you. Okay? Antichrist puts himself in the place of God, the place of God's law, God's sacrifice. That, that, that is what made, that is what sin is made of and that is Satan's work at its very Okay, so, so that's what the secret power of lawlessness, the mystery of sin is already at work in the world does. Question is, whenever you try to put yourself in the place of God, you put yourself in the place of God's law, or you put yourself in the place of Christ's sacrifice, you know what power is behind it. Anytime you try to put yourself in God's place, in the place of his law, or in the place of his sacrifice, you know what power is driving you. You know that it is this spirit that's driving you. So, you know this spirit. Here it is. It's about me. That's putting yourself in the place of God. How many folks see that all day, every day? I'm telling you, it is widespread in this generation. The job is no longer about the job. It's about the people. Schools are no longer about teaching. It's about the student. It's about me. Nobody tells me what to do. I hope ain't none of y'all ever said that. Yeah, you have. If you ain't said it, you thought it. You don't tell me what to do. I'm telling you. And see, remember this, Ephesians 6, 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. People are not our problem. But against principalities, power, rules of the dark, spiritual weakness in high places. So, so this is what we got to realize. The spirit of lawlessness. That's what's on the job. I tell Roy to come back at, I tell Roy to come back from break at 6.30. He needs to be on his job at 6.30. Get what time he show up? 6.31. What are you telling me? Nobody tells me what to do. It's subtle. I'm telling you, it's subtle. It's a subtle form of the spirit of lawlessness, but that's what it is. You tell these folks, no cell phones on the floor. You walk out on the floor, and this is what, they, this is what they're doing. They just, say, just say this right here. It's a box where they got screws in, okay? And you see a person, and they constantly working with the screws and not with the engine. <laughs> and you know what I tell them? I said, do you know why the deer got killed? 
Do you know why the deer get shot? I said, because he ain't got sense enough to look up. If he would look up in the tree and see that guy sitting in the tree, he'd get out of there. You know why you got caught with your cell phone? Because you're too stupid to look up. Either you sleep or you're on the phone. It ain't hard. And see, this is what people fail to understand about a phone. You get so caught up in it, you, you meant to just check, check a, I, I, I was going to check and see if I done got a call. But then I look down and, oh, I got a text. So I go in there and look at the text. Now I'm starting to read the text. Now I'm reading the text. Now I'm caught up in it. Now I'm starting to reply. Now, now they shot me something back. Now I got it. Now I'm, we, we deep in a conversation. I'm on my job. I don't lost track of where I am. That's how they get caught. It's the spirit of lawlessness. It's the spirit of lawlessness. That's what it is. It's lawlessness. You tell them they got to work on Saturday? I ain't coming. I got something to do. Yeah, they lay out. Or they come to work, 730, I'm going home. Lawless. I'm, you're not going to tell me what to do. You schedule it all you want. Set it up all you want. You don't tell me what to do. That's putting yourself in the place of God's law. Let me tell you why. I know, I know, I know they say these are just men, these are just jobs, but God said all authority came from him. He, he raised one up, he set another one down. He said when you resist the authority, you resisted me. Let me tell you something. I'll put it this way. I use, I use the scripture in 1 John. 1 John said this. How can you say you love God who you've never seen? And hate your brother who you see daily. How can you tell me you obey God and, you, and that who you can't see and you won't do what I say looking at you? It ain't possible. It is not possible. Okay, so here, here's the sacrifice. I'm a good person. And if you're such a good person, then you don't need a sacrifice. That's putting yourself in the place of Jesus' sacrifice. In other words, what I'm telling you is, I don't need Jesus. I'm good enough. I'm good enough. I'm going to tell you something. If every person in this room don't see yourself as what the scriptures say, there's none that seek after God. There's none righteous. There's no, not one. Not one. None of us. Paul said, my most righteous deed is of a filthy rag. The best you got. Is dirty. But yet we'll sit somewhere and say, I try to treat everybody right. I help people. I don't lie on people. I don't talk about people. You lying now. <laughs> you telling a lie while you're talking. You lying while you're speaking. Be quiet while you're ahead. And so this is, I don't need God's sacrifice. I'm telling you, the spirit of lawlessness is the, the, the lawless spirit, the mystery of sin. This is it. This is what goes on inside of all of us every day. And I'm not talking about y'all, I'm talking about me. 
I wake up some days and I'll be like, man, I, I ain't going to work. I ain't thinking about what they're talking about. No reason. Just going to defy you. Do you see this in the world today? Do you see it in yourself? You have faith in Christ, but you experience this impulse rising up within you. Is this not a mystery to you? This is the mystery of sin. When you're in Christ, your sins are forgiven, the power of sin is broken, but this power, this, the presence of this thing is not removed, and the mystery of sin remains in you. Paul said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Why? Because it is sin that's in me. Paul said that. And he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So if sin was in Paul, I hadn't wrote the first verse. I know it's in me. Hidden depths of pride and self-righteousness lurk in your soul. Lurk in the soul of every person you meet. This is the battle that we face. This is what we deal with. We can act like we ain't got pride. We can act like we don't have self-righteousness. I don't care who you are. You got it. 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 I'm going to stop saying until you stop thinking you ain't got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. We got it, y'all. We got it. Pride. Those people over there. Man in the temple. I thank God that I'm not like other men are. I fast twice in a day. I pay tithes of all that I possess. I'm not like this sinner. And the sinner was saying, would him look up, up to heaven, smote his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and said he went home justified. It's better for you to admit it. Better for you to admit it. The secret power that is at work in you, that is working in me, it destroys. The mystery of the sin destroys what? Marriages, businesses, churches, and it wants to destroy you. I want you to see this because it is critical that you know that the spirit of lawlessness and the Antichrist is in the world. And guess what, folks? It's not just working in the world. It's working in the church. The Antichrist is in the house. Folks in church denying Christ. So how do you overcome that? Okay? This is a great battle of your life. How do you overcome that spirit that puts itself in the place of God and in the place of in the place of God itself, in the place of God's law, in the place of God, God Christ's sacrifice? How do we overcome it? Here we go. That's what you're gonna look at next week. <laughs> but I don't want to leave you hanging. So here's the headline. Second Thessalonians 2.8, the Lord Jesus will overthrow him by the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Here are God's enemies. They don't even acknowledge him, but God's going to bless them. And he says this, he'll make, he'll make, make his people jealous. He's going to provoke his people to anger, and I will heap disasters upon them. Okay? 
with his breath, his life, his spirit in you, that is how you will prevail in this battle. In other words, you can say this, I'm not going to win without God. I'm not going to win without God. And look at this. This is what we all ought to say. This is what we all ought to pray. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew, that I may love what thou dost love and do what thou wouldest do. That's what we ought to pray. When you see his splendor, you will not be taken up with your own. You cannot be taken up with your own splendor while you are looking at the splendor of Christ. You can't look at his glory and see your own. When Peter saw Jesus for who he was, he said, oh, be, be merciful to me, O God, for I'm a sinful man. When he saw Jesus, he saw himself. Christ deliver us, delivers us from preoccupation with our glory by showing us his glory. That's why Paul said, as we behold the Lord, we are being transformed into his likeness. 2 Corinthians 3.18, seeing the glory of Christ changes you. That's why gathering for worship is so important. Why it's important. Your hope of overcoming the secret power of sin in your life lies in the life that Christ breathes in you. You can honestly say it's all in Jesus. It's all in him. It's all in him. It's not in us. Your hope of prevailing in this battle lies in seeing and beholding his glory. And that's what transformed you into the likeness of Jesus. It goes back to my original statement. You must see Jesus for yourself. If your life is going to change, you got to see Jesus for yourself. You can't let nobody tell you about him. You can't live off of somebody else's revelation or relationship with him. You must have a revelation of who Jesus is for yourself. You got to hear his voice for yourself. You got to know him for yourself. You got to have confidence that you can pray to him for yourself. We're not to rely on, I mean, we are here to hold each other up. When my brother is weak, if any two on earth agree as touching anything, that's what God put us together for. But if you're by yourself, you can pray to God and God will hear you and answer you, deliver you, liberate you, and set you free. This spirit is working now in the world, is working in us, is working in you. And if we're ever going to win, we got to know what it is that we're fighting. We got to see the enemy for what he truly is. We got to understand that these thoughts that come into our mind are not my thoughts. They're coming from somewhere else. You got your, your responsibility is to discern, discern, discern. Who's saying this? Where's this voice coming from? And the only way that you can truly examine any voice that comes into your mind is that you have to know the word of God. The Bible says this. He said, he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which your reasonable service. Don't be conformed, shaped, molded by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God is. How are we going to do it? By knowing what God's will is. What is God's will? God's will is God's word. The last will and testament that he wrote to you, that he wrote to me. So Lord, we pray for you to help us. We pray for you to help us. Without you, we can do absolutely nothing. Without you, we can't fight this battle, nor can we win this battle. Without you, we cannot discern when the enemy is deceiving us. Without you, we'll all be deceived and led astray. Without you, the enemy will consume us all. But Lord, I thank you that we have you. We have you. And Lord, I take this opportunity right now to pray over this beautiful, beautiful group of young people, the young generation that you're going to use to be a light that shines in darkness, that you're going to use to be a witness for you, that you're going to use to continue to carry the mantle of God. I pray over them right now. I pray for them to be covered with the precious blood of Jesus. I pray for them to be strengthened with your power and your might in their inner man. I pray that Christ may dwell in their heart by faith, that they will be rooted and grounded in love, they'll be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height, and that they'll know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. I pray that they might be filled with all the fullness of God. I pray that you will do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I pray that you will sustain them, that you will keep them, that you will anoint them, that you will use them for your kingdom, for your glory. I pray that you will use them to combat the powers of darkness. You'll use them to reach this new, this young generation that the spirit of lawlessness is working so strong in that you'll use them and that they'll be a witness for you and they'll testify of the goodness of God and that the power of God will be manifest and demonstrated in and through them. I pray, Lord, that your grace be, will be upon them to sustain them even in the darkest of hours, even in the darkest of days. I'm asking you to keep them. I'm asking you to protect them. I'm asking you to shield their spirits from anything that Satan would try to implant in them. Shield their souls and spirits from the powers of darkness. Use them for your glory. And Father, how I just bless you, praise you, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being able to pray over your people and to bless this generation. Use them for your glory. We bless you for it. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe and share with somebody you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries Church.